Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. Now, we're going to chat about some parenting issues uh, in the next few weeks. And we've been asking you on our Facebook page what you'd like to discuss. And this morning, Sarah Lee Cassidy from Empower Hour has been good enough to join me in the studio. Good to see you. How are you doing? Good morning, uh, and we also um, have uh, Sharon uh, Skehel from Mary I, uh, who is uh, studying uh, childcare studies and early education to PhD level, no less. Hi, how are you, Sharon? How's it going? I'm good. Good. Thank you, Joe. How are you? Now, one thing that we were asked on Live 95's Facebook page to look at is nightmares and night terrors. And there is, Sharon, a difference, isn't there, between the two? Yes, there is a distinct difference between the two. I suppose nightmares are much more common and that a child has a bad dream and that they wake up from that dream. That, you know, it's frightening for them and that they remember that dream. But night terrors are a little bit different because... The child can be very, they're still asleep and they can get very distressed and very agitated and scream and lash out. And it can last, I would think, from five minutes up to 30 minutes. And when the child wakes, they have no recollection of it. They won't wake during the night terror. But the most thing is, it's so distressing for parents to see that and to understand what is happening for the child. So it is very different in that it, it, it's much more terrifying as well for a parent to watch it and feel so helpless really. And the so. advice is different too, isn't it? I mean in the nightmare scenario the child will wake themselves, but in the night terrors you're not supposed to wake the child. No, no, because they will be more disorientated and um, I suppose more frightened themselves because there is that lack of understanding and it's difficult to wake them out of it. And even sometimes there's mixed advice even whether you would even tell them a lot about it because it is quite upsetting that they have gone through that and not have any awareness of it. So it, even though it is very upsetting for parents, it really is about keeping them safe and that they don't lash out and hurt themselves and to be there you know, until it passes and they will go back to sleep again. They'll just come through it. So it's not anything to worry about on Julie. These things can just happen. Like Things that might trigger it are perhaps like uh, not getting enough sleep um, a different change in the child's routine. You know, if they give up a nap, say, or start preschool or start primary school, or having a different sleep schedule, you know, so if they don't have a consistent routine, that can be a trigger as well. So, now, certain medications can cause it as well, but the things that we look at trying to prevent them is to say that you would have, I suppose, a nice relaxing bedtime routine to make sure the child is getting enough sleep and are going to bed in that more relaxed state. Um, and they're not getting overtired. Um, the other things, I suppose, is that, that there is a bit of a family history to do. You know, there can be connections of families who have night terrors or sleepwalking. There's a bit of a connection between the two. But sometimes it's just you have to go through it. Now, if there's a pattern that if you notice it's the same time that it's happening, that it might be an idea to wake them up just before, you know, 15 or 20 minutes before the night terror happens. And so then it might prevent it happening. Right, you yeah. Know, because if you wake them and bring them to the toilet or yeah. just to disturb the sleep patterns there. And the other thing, Sarah Lee, is that it can go on night terrors for quite a while. You know, it can be distressing for uh, mum or dad, can't it? 
Absolutely, Joe. Um, they can last from three minutes to like a half hour. So um, it can be very distressing for, for parents, especially because the child is going through it. They're unaware. But I suppose like everything, it's about um, how we as parents are in that moment. Like, Because sometimes I suppose our ignorance of something can tip us over into fear or we can become, I suppose, are we responding or are we reactive? Um, and a lot of the time it's looking at the problem of how we can actually support ourselves in that. So it's like, um, you know, looking at your emotional supports as a parent, looking at your informational supports, um, you know, where where can you get support from on, on a subject such as like night terrors? Because not all of us are, um, you know, neuroscientists and we don't always know the background you know, to the neuroscience of night terrors or, you know, so you can go into fear. And I remember attending a David Coleman lecture um, in UL there recently, and he was talking about, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the headless chicken syndrome, but like one chicken goes into, if they see an imminent threat, they go into fear and they freeze. And it takes another chicken that's cool, calm and collected, you know, who's not in fear to kind of, ease the situation so really it's about how parents are you know responding and are you getting the emotional support and are you looking after yourself um and also i was talking to a psychologist there through empower recently um called dr Catherine hallisey and she will be coming up actually to limerick doing um, a workshop in coming weeks but she was talking about like how um when we actually, you know, speak to our child and we tell them what's happening and we name their emotions, that this has a, an impact on calming the mind down. So there's lots of research um, that you can engage with and you can actually find out different ways of being yourself around it. And maybe talk to parents or, or join support groups, you know, that have experience of this. And then you'll find, you know, different resources to support yourself as a parent. Right. We're chatting to Sarah Lee Cassidy from Empower Hour and Sharon Skihill from Mary Eye. And uh, one tip from a listener on the night terrors uh, is not to necessarily talk about the night terrors the next day to the child, but to try to explore is there anything happening psychologically or emotionally in their day-to-day lives that you could identify and do something about? Absolutely. And like when I was doing research on night terrors, a lot of um, evidence-based research would indicate that it comes from embryo, at an embryo level. So it's like our paralysis reflex you know so it's it's how that's stimulated in sleep so it's like it's it's kind of doing the research so that you know what's going on and that you can kind of because with parents it's really looking at ourselves and how we're responding like are we you know uh, what in this confuses me what in this you know is 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 affecting me um is this affecting you know how i am as a parent you know so it's really like what can i do to change this how what can i do to to help myself in this um so really it's about self care and uh, perhaps not uh, going into the labeling of like you know oh there's something really seriously wrong with my child but just kind of you know, finding out a little bit more about it. Yeah, and we were asking on Live 95's Facebook 
um, page uh, yesterday and again this morning. What advice would you give to parents with kids who have problems sleeping? Louise says, let me be the first to say you have my condolences. As a mum of five myself, I feel your pain. If anyone has the secret recipe, hand it over. Much love, says uh, Louise. Um, And uh, another um, contributor on Live 95's Facebook page says, simple, get them up and downstairs and dressed for 7am every weekday and on weekends they can have until 9 in bed no sugary drinks after 9pm and a regular bedtime with no TV in their room. It's not going to take a magic potion but it does take discipline Um, uh, Aileen says I had one sleeper and one non-sleeper routine, routine, routine it's very important Podrick says give them a list of housework they'll make a beeline for the bed I can tell you Um, Anya says have a routine time darken the house at that time and everyone be quiet Um, knee of solution I think it might be more for the parents is buy a good set of earplugs Um, John says give them hot milk and pepper an hour before they go to bed won't be long sleeping then really? <laughs> and somebody else says uh, Calpol well Calpol is actually designed when the child isn't well it's not meant to be a ni- nightly remedy uh, for um, a lack of sleep but Sharon just some examples there sleep and sleep routines and the issues around it they are one of the big challenges uh, for parents with their kids aren't they? Oh but they certainly are and every child is so different. And also our routines at home are so different, you know. So if you do have like that mum who has five kids, you know, so it's very different than somebody who might have twins or somebody who might have kids with different age gaps. So it's about trying to find what's right for your family. And, you know, just I think it's having that slow down to bedtime and having that respect for the child that it's not an instant get to bed now to bedtime. But there's a kind of a gradual a countdown and easing of activities. You know, and that it's an enjoyable time. You know, it's a nice time that if you can spend some time together so that it's not, you know, the dreaded bedtime, but that it's it's a nice special time that you get to spend with your child. Yes. And that there's no fear associated with it. You know, like if they want a nice life, have a nice life. It's no big deal. You know, so just to to kind of follow the child and recognise the fear. So if they do have an issue about it being too dark or... You know, to say it's no big deal to leave the door open or to have the light on in the hall or, or whatever it is. But, and also, I, I think a lot of parents will find that those quiet moments before bedtime are the times the children will talk as well. You know, if there's things going on at school or things that might worry them, that's often the time that you will have those conversations with kids. You know, that they'll start talking about something that happened or something that's bothering them. So, you know, it can have a, a real calming effect on them and just provide that space to share anything that is stressing them out, you know, or upsetting them, and helping them think, make sense of what's going on in their lives. Yeah, I mean, Sarah Lee, the other thing is that, you know, nightmares are common in children between 6 and 10, according to the research in terms of years of age, but obviously it can happen you know, younger and older um, than that. And and that's a point, too, that a listener is making. It can be all sorts of different things at different ages, you know, teething being an example, you know, in younger kids that can prevent them sleeping or disrupt their sleep. Absolutely. The smallest change in a child's life is going to impact on the child 
So it's like, you know, their nervous system is affected. And once your nervous system is affected in any way, like it could be like a little issue at school, it could be like, you know, small bullying issue, or it could be like, you know, a little bit of stress or worry that the child has. And then they're actually, you know, that's impacting on their sleep and their routine. Like, I mean, there's so much value in what people are saying there. I mean, I I don't know if I'd be endorsing the Calpol, but like um, there's so much in what people are saying, like routine, um, bedtime routine, three square meals a day, because there's an awful lot like of, I suppose, high sugar. I mean, I think research was done there by the food safety there very recently. And like the sugar content that kids are eating is huge. So it's like, um, I suppose, being mindful of diet, routine, um, and especially for parents, how we are. You know, because like I, I can honestly say if you're if you're worried that your kid is going to wake up at night and you're going into the room and you're afraid that your kid's going to wake up at night, you're kind of like catastrophizing. You're setting it up already and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So really, it's kind of like and, you know, the thing is, we're, we're only human, you know, so we can we, we have to kind of mind ourselves or become aware of ourselves. That's such a good point. And I mean, you make that point earlier about the supports, because, of course, a lack of sleep can make all of us irritable, you know, parents included which can, you know, ramp up the anxiety around trying to get the child to sleep. And uh, Anne on Live95's Facebook page says, light music in the background till they're asleep. Years ago, we got a mug of hot milk before bed or a goodie. What's the most definition of goodie too comes into that, doesn't it? And Dennis says, just get on with it. A parenthood was never supposed to be a sleepover until the kids flee the nest. It's all part of being a parent. Well, I don't know, because that's a, a bit stark, isn't it? I think we can maybe all help each other out. And William simply says, get a job. What, what you mean, send the toddler out, is it? So what, They'll be wrecked when they come home, well, down a mine maybe, William, or somewhere like that. And Colette says a story at bedtime always helps them to wind down. And Tilly says, please let me know when you get the answer. Well, that's what we were trying to do um, this morning uh, and we hope we were of some help uh, to you on this issue. Sarah Lee Cassidy from Empower Hour, thank you so much for thank popping you. in and chatting to us. And Jaren Skeel from Mary I, thank you as well. Call Limerick today now on 461995.